Hey there, senders. Welcome back to another segment podcast. My special guest on today's show is Travis Claypool. He's a professional rider for Trek Mountain Bikes and also the lead mechanic at a local shop here in Murrieta, California called Allen's Bike Shop. Take a listen to how Travis Claypool's story develops and his inspiration as a kid leads him over to the professional world of enduro mountain biking. Before we get into the show, I always love to just say thank you to the supporters of the show. I'll do this as quickly and as and as uh, detailed as possible. So first of all, thank you so much to 7IDP, 7 Intelligent Design Protection, for always keeping me safe while I'm out on the trails as I'm progressing and becoming a better rider. Um, I just never know when I'm going to crash. It's not it's not when or it's not if, it's, it's when. So thank you 7IDP for having protective mountain bike gear for both the male and female athletes. That is all they do is make protective gear. So a lot of their resources goes into making the best products possible. If you guys find something you like on 7protection.com, please use the promo code SEGMENT for 15% off your purchase. Again, that's promo code SEGMENT for 15% off your purchase for any protective gear from 7IDP. Next up, I want to say thank you to the Bole Brands. The Bole Brands just purchased Spy. So Bole includes Spy Optic, Bole, and Serengeti. Great lifestyle eyeglass wear along with athletic wear. So specifically, Spy makes the foundation goggles that I currently am running. Uh, the foundation goggles have the HD clarity in them to help illuminate the trails, but it still allow you to get protection from the sun. But if you're going in through the trees, you're still able to see if you have the tinted lenses on. So uh, great, 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 great goggles that I've been wearing for a while. And uh, I love the fact that they have the anti-fog technology in them as well. And if you find something that you want at Spy, go to spyoptic.com, use promo code SENDER10 and get 10% off your purchase. Again, that's promo code SENDER10 for 10% off your purchase. And last but not least, Thank you to Tasco. Tasco, the awesome shirt company, local company down in San Diego, California, owned and operated by Nate Miller and a great crew of guys, Matt and Blake and Jeremy. They're always coming out with great products. What turned me on to Tasco was their gloves. Always seeing POV shots of Tasco gloves. Started wearing their gloves and then discovered they created my favorite mountain bike shorts called the Scout Shorts. The Scout shorts are just made uniquely well for us mountain bikers. All the different ways that you would want shorts to feel on a mountain bike, they've thought of that in the Scout shorts. They've also just recently created new material in the Scout shorts, the Phantom Series. They also have a new recycled green type of uh, material for the Scout shorts. All the same template, but just different designs, different lightweights, different materials. Um, but all the great things about what you love or what I love about the Scout Shorts. So check them out if you get a chance. I put the link to Tasco. It's a it's a promotional link that is an affiliate link. It doesn't change the price for you guys, but it does give me a little bit on the back end for getting you guys over to Tasco. Um, and you get a 10%. I'm sorry, they just corrected that. They went up. You get a 15% discount when you shop at Tasco by utilizing the Tasco link in my description. So guys, that being said, let's get into the show with Mr. Travis Claypool. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the segment podcast. 
Folks, what a great night. Man, we had the city council meeting tonight for Greer, the city of Murrieta, and now we're able to jump on the podcast and uh, talk a little bit of mountain biking with one of uh, my favorite riders out here in the local area. want to introduce you to him. His name is Travis Claypool, and he's definitely one of the folks moving from the ordinary to the extraordinary. Uh, Travis, what's happening, buddy? Hey, Mark. How's it going? Um, it's yeah, it's going good, man. Thank you so much for jumping on tonight. Um, I know you really well, but a lot of the folks haven't had a chance to meet you yet. So why don't you just give a good introduction as to who is Travis Claypool, professional mountain biker for Trek? Who is this guy? Cool. So a little synopsis on my my mountain bike life. Uh, I work at Alan's Bike Shop, and I have been competing racing mountain bikes for just about six almost seven years now. Um, it's been a big part of my life. Uh, I race professionally for Trek bicycles. Um, my main discipline would be enduro. And so, yeah, this is kind of how I spend my life work all during the fall, winter, spring months, and then get to race my mountain bike all summer across the, across the country. So pretty unique little, little niche that I'm in, but yeah, I'm really excited to be here and kind of talk about my inspirations and my, my little journey so really thankful for you mark this is a cool experience yeah man we're so i'm stoked to have you on the show uh it's gonna be great to tell your story and uh first of all thank you for everything you do for all of us here locally as the lead mechanic of alan's bike shop it's been a little crazy right here lately since covid started i think have you gotten any days off oh man that's <laughs> an understatement yeah it's definitely responsibility has tenfolded at the bike shop. Our, our output has increased a lot, a lot more repairs. So we went from like a small family owned bike shop, you know, you'd wait two or three days for your repairs. And now we're scheduling appointments out for two, three weeks just to get simple, simple service done. So it's really exciting seeing the whole mountain biking, cycling community growing. Um, feels like people are just discovering the outdoors again, but Obviously, with the pandemic, there's a lot of challenges in place in front of us. So it's it's a learning experience for the whole mountain bike community, but it's also really encouraging to see the the community grow and our our knowledge and our our efforts kind of blossom into people's enjoyment. So it's really, really neat. Yeah, in fact, that's how I met you and Riley. Uh, Riley is uh, one of the owners there of Allen's Bike Shop. And uh, I walked in April 1st, 2020 with my son on his birthday and we were looking for mountain bikes and you guys were able to help us out and show us different types of bikes. It's like right on the crest of the big wave of the pandemic. And uh, luckily for me, there was a bike there, just my size. And there was plenty of stock at that time, but I literally, I think a week after I purchased my bike, I think all the other bikes ran out the door too, but um, I knew I was in good company. You guys were so great about educating me on what travel means and what size bike I needed and all the different things and sit bones and oh, things that I'm still learning about. Yeah. You, guys are, you guys are awesome. Um, but okay, so let's get into the Travis Claypool story because um, so far we've just told the folks you are a professional writer for Trek and I uh, heard a little bit about your yearly schedule and what that looks like and balancing things. But take us back to the beginning. What sparked this whole journey to your now career of a professional mountain biker? Where did this all start? 
Well, let's, I mean, as a, as a child, I always just spent my days outdoors. Um, and it was when I was a kid, you know, I really just wanted a bike to ride. And this was back when we lived in San Clemente. I lived in San Clemente for a good majority of my childhood. And I w- would get to just ride my BMX bike with my friends all over town, all over suburbia. Uh, we would make little jumps. Um, and then in 2010, I moved out to Marietta. Um, mm. And then I kind of got to grow a new friendship, new friend group out here. Um, and then, so middle school was kind of like my my transformation into the mountain bike realm. Um, mm. Through through friends, we just all kind of had a common interest in mountain biking. You know, we would we would watch videos of all the Red Bull stuff. Uh, Rampage was a big thing back then. And I had a friend whose dad worked for Troy Lee Designs. So there was always this kind of toss of inspiration going back and forth. And so during the middle school years, that was kind of like, I was never a very social kid in school. Um, I always just dedicated my energy to the, the my hobbies and stuff that I enjoyed outside. Um, and so BMX riding was big. Uh, we A lot of my time was spent riding dirt jumps, uh, hanging out with friends, you know, and like the, like the the constant push who can hit this jump first, you know, the little kids, um, just searching for that. Yeah. Competitive searching for those limits, you know, getting, getting to know yourself. Um, and then I think around eighth grade was when I really showed my parents that I had a a big interest in mountain biking. Um, Mm. they bought me some really crappy diamondback from Dick's sporting goods. And I spent, probably took me probably a year to destroy the thing um, wow. and just kind of I was just so determined to show that I wanted to I wanted to do this sport um, I had previously I'd played f- tackle football for about eight years um, oh. and then slowly I just stopped the interest in that um, the like the whole team sport was fun but the dads and the kids got too competitive and it was this this is this ongoing thing. So mountain biking for me was this, this individual realm where I can just express myself and enjoy the outdoors. Um, and then, so at the end of eighth grade, my dad bought me my first full suspension mountain bike. Um, it was by no means the latest and greatest thing, but it was a hand-me-down from one of our neighbors who had joined the mountain bike team a few years ago. And it was, it was the perfect experience for me because I got to it just opened so many doors. Um, come to find out my neighbor, my next door neighbor, um, was Cole Picciuccino and him and his dad were running a race Jeez. team. Wow. So a lot of influences here and there. Um, my first, it was the kind of the summer of eighth grade where I convinced my dad to take me out to Fontana for a race weekend. Um, and then my first couple races were, were awful, but I was having fun. My dad was, constantly coming back to the car with here i bought this neck brace uh you need to be wearing a neck brace and i bought you this full face helmet and all these pads and i was just out there in cargo shorts old moto jersey wearing this (laughs) goofy neck brace this 661 helmet just all decked out for this super d race and i raced i raced beginner um and then so my first race i got second out of two people um, gotcha. <laughs> but so it was the first couple races I, I didn't do too well, but 
it was just such a new experience and just kind of a fun realm to play with. So I kind of, I kind of made it clear that this is what I wanted to do um, for a while. And so the following year is my first year of high school. Um, and at that time, Marietta Valley mountain bike team actually just stopped the club. The, the teacher was done with it. Um, all the, like the big racers at the time, they kept, they moved on. Um, they were, they graduated. So, me and my friends who had a lot of interest in it, we had to kind of start the whole club process again, find a teacher who would support us, um, find a coach. Um, And so it was kind of this big process. Uh, Luckily we found Mrs. Harrison, who is the TV digital teacher and she was just awesome. Uh, Big mountain bike enthusiast. Um, And then eventually Ms. Harrison helped us find a coach. Um, His name was Kevin. I don't remember his last name, but he would, we kind of just started the whole process through NICA, um, the, the, the high school mountain bike series. Oh, and dang. so me and my friends, we just slowly, we started training. Um, Coach Kevin, he, he would help us out with, he owned a little bike shop at the time. He'd help us out with bikes. Um, at the time, Terry Pichicino was helping me out as well. Um, they, they got me hooked up on a nice little cross-country bike that I could use. Nice. Um, so that was kind of... My whole experience, I ended up having to dedicate a lot of time to cross country, which um, I didn't know it at the time, but it showed me a lot of dedication and training and all the kind of procedures it'd take to race a mountain bike. And then, so we did a full cross country season. I got to, on the side, I was racing enduro on the weekends. Um, I really enjoyed that. And there, there was a lot of success in the beginning of my little mountain bike run. Um, racing junior expert, going from some sport to junior expert. Um, I kind of, I kind of just, it clicked for me. Um, local competition, I ended up doing really well, got a lot of trophies. Um, and then, so this process kind of just happened all through high school. Um, junior year, or I'm sorry, sophomore year of high school, I went straight into junior varsity in the NICA league. Um, and so we did that round. We went to States, um, cross country kind of just turned into, there's this little dread of having to do these long endurance races, but it, that, the whole NICA, I couldn't be more thankful for NICA as a program. Uh, I ended up meeting lifelong friends in the mountain bike community. Um, Evander Hughes, Trevor McCutcheon, Cameron Joy, um, all these guys that today I still race against at these big enduro series. Um, so NICA for me, it was, it showed me how to race a mountain bike, all the, all the process it takes and dedication. Um, but it also provided me with this, this family that I could hang out with on the weekends. I could start training with them. Um, we'd all race together at NICA, but we were always talking and thinking about what our summers are going to look like. Um, what, Mm. what races we're going to travel to, what can we do together? Um, and so this, this trend, this was year to year to year, um, junior year, I was lucky enough to know the Pichichinos, um, and I kind of weaseled my way into their Trek uh, race and development team. Um, <laughs> so Terry would give me some hand-me-down bikes at first, um, and then I'd kind of race. I still raced at the time junior expert and all these things just to kind of develop my skills, um, build a resume, because I knew there was going to be a time where I needed to, to have something to back for my sponsors. Um, and then um, senior year, he 
enlisted me as one of the riders on Trek Race and Development. And I got to spend that whole season with uh, Nick Beachman, uh, Cole wow. Pichuccino, Evander Hughes, and myself, and also Spencer Rathcamp at the time. And it was the coolest experience ever. Um, Terry had this big RV race trailer. Trek provided us all with bikes, um, 100%, decked us out in gear. Uh, we had multiple little sponsors for um, like Maxima for Novatech. Um, and so it was just this amazing experience. I got to go to these big races with everybody and just kind of experience this team. Um, and it just really opened my eyes to what mountain biking is on this high level of racing. Um, and so it was just a really cool experience being, being young, um, in high school, being able to say I had this external life outside of high school was really empowering and encouraging for me. Um, it, it gave me something to look forward to once I graduated, you know, like I got, I have this opportunity, this is something I can pursue. Um, and then after I graduated, um, I kind of just went full on racing. Um, I went to community college just to kind of go through the paces, but, um, my, my racing career got a little more serious. Um, I started traveling a lot all over the country, most in the Western States. Um, and then it was my first year I got to, uh, first year out of high school was 2019. I got to go to an Enduro World Series in Whistler. And that just about kicked my butt. At that time, um, they called it the Crankzilla. Um, it was the most humbling race of my life. It was <laughs> raining all day. Oh my they, God. At the time, they, they would time your transfers. They go, so we, we know the stages. We, we wrote them all. And we give you, this is kind of our idea of how fast you can get to the next stages. If you don't make it to this next stage in time, we're going to dock you a minute off your total race time. Oh and so gosh. that day there was six stages all across Whistler, Canada, and every stage was at a different mountaintop. And I think I ended that race with 35 miles and like 4,500 feet of climbing. Um, and it was just absolutely insane. Pushed my body to my limits. I was crashing. The, the terrain was nothing I've ever ridden before. The steepest trails I've ever ridden. Southern California, you guys, you know, is, is predictable trails, predictable terrain. You know, we don't have that much elevation. But here in Canada, we're descending 3,000 feet on one trail. Um, they're, they're top of the world trail. It's a 5,000-foot descent. Granted, you get a lift to the top. But 5,000 feet descent, that takes you those race times for me at the time, it took me about 30 minutes to get down the hill and for the pros and everything. Like, and that's, that's going as fast as you can. Uh, my arms got tired before my legs got tired. Um, so that was just an eye opening experience. And it, and it honestly just fueled a fire. Um, I, I didn't do well during that race, but it was just the most, wow. I'm, I'm so young. I have so much, possibilities um and this is this is what the world stage feels like for racing um so that was just a really really awesome experience um and then so this trend kind of followed out for the next next couple years um i ended up needing a job i was living at home so parents are pushing responsibility on me i gotta start paying for things so 
um, that next year, I started working at Alan's Bike Shop. Just a little pupil under Randy and Ryan, uh, or Randy and Riley. And yeah, it's just it's just been kind of growing from there. Um, the truck development team eventually transformed into Trek Fast House team. Um, so Terry Picciccino kind of gave off the reins to uh, one of the the race managers at Trek, Ryan Bodge. Um, and so they invited me on to this kind of national um, kind of privateer kind of team, hybrid team thing. So Trek provides us with, with bikes and um, Fast House is going to give us all this, our like gear. So that was really awesome for me. Um, I am so thankful to find a home at Fast House. They are the most down to earth, rad people ever. Um, so so as the, as the years go on, my, my whole racing family has just grown so much. Um, so as of now, this is my third year on the Fast House Trek team. Um, and our, our main focus, my main focus, we've, we race the Big Mountain Enduro Series. Um, and any EWS we can, we can get our fingers on. Um, this will be my second year racing full pro. Uh, last year was kind of a, we'll call it a bye year, but it was, I only got to race twice last year because of COVID and all the restrictions. And, and so I'm really looking forward to this year. I got a big, big season plan this summer, lots of traveling. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my, uh, that's kind of my little story. Um, I back to, I'm head mechanic at Allen's bike shop. Um, I, I've gained a lot of knowledge of bicycles over the years. I've always been the person to work on my own bikes and have help here and there, but in order to make it affordable and stuff, I, I got to learn how to do these things myself. You're on the road a lot. There's no bike shops all the time. Um, you got to learn how to make your equipment work properly and you want your, your equipment working at its best ability. Um, so that's kind of why I ended up being a mechanic at Allen's bike shop. Um, super, super thankful to Allen's bike shop just cause they've provided me they, for once, they actually let me race during the summer. I could not find a job that would be cool with my schedule. I usually had to start a job, quit for the summer, come back in the fall, trying to find another job. So, Alan's Riley, thank you. Um, I would not be in this position without this, their, their leeway and their flexibility and their encouragement. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's kind of coming out of dead end here, but... That's that's my little uh, synopsis of Travis Claypool. That's awesome. That's amazing that um, you had that fortitude to think about, I need to work at a bike shop in order to understand how to maintain, fix my bikes. When I'm on the road, I know you were telling me with sponsors and things, you know, a lot of times you get a stipend or a certain amount of travel money or, you know, entry fee money, mm -hmm. but it's uh, it's a budget. And so if your bike goes kaput and you don't know what to do, you're having to spend that money on the bike and uh, maybe, maybe the race is right around the corner. So this is a, a great way for you to make money and learn all about the bikes. Um, if anybody is listening to this, I want to just encourage anybody to ask any questions along the way of Travis's story. Uh, I definitely had a question when you were here in Murrieta and you were starting out, just, were you riding Greer and in, in trails like that? Or was was Greer developed yet, or where were where um, were you getting a lot of your experience? I here? think 
I think Greer, let's see, Vale Lake was a big part of my youth. Um, Greer, we we got started writing Greer probably, I want to say I started writing Greer junior year of high school. So that would have been 2016, 2017. Um, and so back then there was probably four trails, four or five trails. Um, it was it was always just riding where my friends were riding. Um, we would go go up to Big Bear a lot, go ride Greer. We would shuttle Elsinore Downhill Trail. Um, there's a couple little hidden trails out in uh, wine country. Um, so it's it's yeah, Greer's been a big big part of that, and I think Greer has been the staple of my riding all these last years. It's definitely the most convenient. Um, it doesn't have the most elevation, but as far as consistency and riding a lot, Greer has been been excellent in providing that that outlook. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. We got a couple of folks here that are joining. Uh, we got Christian out of Idaho. Uh, DB Noob Rider is in. Uh, Adam Mock is here. We have uh, Trail Dogs just joined. Um, Adam Mock has something for you here. Travis says, we all had a writer who took us under their wing and welcomed us into the MTV community. Who has made a memorable impact on you? Wow. Um, shout out to Cole Picciccino. Um, I've always looked up to him. I actually, I would have never thought, but he is, he's older than me. He's in his mid twenties. And so when I was a kid, um, racing with him, it was really cool. Cause he's just, he always raced professional and always did really well. Um, but, and then come to find last year, I ended up being one of his uh, groomsmen at his wedding. Um, so it was pretty funny. Oh, wow. But definitely Cole Picciccino, um, one of the pro riders that I got to ride a lot with and kind of kind of soak up his skill and, and his excellence. Um, and that, yeah, that's kind of only thing. That's the only really pro rider I rode a lot with. Um, it wasn't until last year, the last two years, um, I got to ride with Curtis Keene a lot. Um, he, he is very inspiring. Um, he has a insane testimony of how he made racing work. Um, he's a Red Bull rider and he's just beyond successful. Um, so it was really cool getting to know him. Um, but it's, it's kind of a cool thing when, once you're, once you're in the mountain bike community, you know, from the outside perspective, all these racers, these professionals, they seem like all these hot shots and, you know, the media portrays them as these these animals on these bicycles, you know, and they are like, they're, they're incredibly talented, but racing with them is the most bizarre thing ever. Cause you're, you get to transfer and pedal with them. You're all at the starting line together. And it just feels like you're, you're on a weekend ride with your buddies. Um, everybody's just the most friendly person you've ever met. Um, you get, you, it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, all these, these icons and these, these idols of your youth, you know, they're, it just, that completely goes away. They treat you like a human. You treat like them like a human. Um, and you, you get to learn a lot from them, but it's always just cracking jokes and just enjoying the experience together. Um, Cody Kelly, Mitch Rapolato, um, get, I get to spend time with them when I go to these races and it's just the coolest thing I could have ever imagined, you know, um, cause they're so, it's just so nonchalant to them. Um, and they, they're just so accepting, um, so it's, it's been super, super rad being able to have these opportunities, but yeah, yeah, hopefully that answers your question, Adam. Yeah, that that's amazing. Um, to have all, all those icons there at the starting gate 
and instead of feeling intimidated, you felt like you guys are just going for a ride together. Yeah. Um, but that speaks a lot to our mountain bike community. Our mountain bike community is so amazing, so warm, so supportive. Um, you know, the next segment where we'll go into next, Travis, is uh, trail talk. And speaking of coming together and speaking of a community, I saw you and I were both logged in at the city of Murrieta's uh, city council meeting tonight. I saw your name pop up. I thought that was yeah. awesome. And uh, dude, how many how many people uh, do you think joined up tonight? I know Ooh. we were looking at the numbers, but. <laughs> I think it, it was around 130, 150 people, um, which I think is awesome. Um, going out to Greer, you see a lot of people there. I usually don't park in the main spot just because I can't find parking anymore. Um, I park in the neighborhoods and I, and I pedal all the way in. Um, but I just, it's, it's astounding how much love the community has for this place. Um, but yeah, Greer is an awesome place. Uh, and it, it'll be sad to see where it goes, but I thought it was kind of cool, you know, city council, I don't think they're expecting any of this push or I don't think they even realized how big of a community this was. Um, so I think it's really exciting for the future of Marietta you know, some acknowledgement of, you know, this is, this is where our interests lie and we want you to validate that and give us a place where we can practice this safely, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I thought that was a great flex by our mountain bike community. Um, I know leading into it, just seeing all the posts on social media and everybody texting back and forth, like six o'clock, right? Okay. Let's get on the app. Is it, is mm -hmm. go to meetings or Facebook live. And, um, at first I saw the, the numbers were like at 20 and I was reading the city council members faces and they're kind of like, Ooh, 20. And then it went to 27. They're like, Ooh, and then we yeah. got to past a hundred and they're like, I want a motion to postpone <laughs> this to another right. date. So yeah. we can, yeah. we can be able to, uh, you know, address everybody's comments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah. That was, that was yeah awesome. If any of you listening are interested, you can actually send an email out to, um, the, the city council. Let me see if I can pull the, the email. Um, but you can just send them an email, explain your testimony, what Greer means to you, um, why you think it's relevant in the community, and uh, kind of give them a piece of your mind. Um, I think that'll be really helpful. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why they had to postpone it, just because they got so much more data and information from the public that they need to um, they'll need to address properly if they want to give a, a fair hearing, you know, um oh my the email just went away um i believe it is labels at marietta.ca.gov or something um i'm sure if you you research it you could find it yeah uh, we'll, yeah we'll make we'll make sure we put that in the show notes and the link in the show notes as well for anybody that's uh, listening to this in the future um i was doing a little bit of homework on this trail and uh the cool thing was is it sounds like uh, Pulte Homes is the developer and Pulte Home purchased the land. So they already own the land. From what I understand, they already have the rights to build on the land. They've got everything ready to go. Uh, they just need to go through a few more steps to make things happen. But I think what's cool about where we are all coming in at is that once Pulte develops the land, um, their footprint, well, let me back up. I guess their footprint was supposed to be something like 1,500 homes. And I think mm -hmm. they're now down to like 600. So their footprint shrank. So yeah. it won't take up the whole space from what I, what I understand. Once they're done developing, they're going to um, gift the land to a conservation company or a conservation group 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that looks like it's going to be one called RCA. And uh, RCA, I, I called it, it's Western Riverside. It's a big, long name, but basically it's RCA. And uh, it's like something re- conservation advocacy or something like that. But they will be the land managers. And I think mm-hmm. that's going to be the most important thing for all of us is yeah, to absolutely, yeah, figure out how we can best work with the land manager. Because once Pulte builds the homes, they're selling the homes and they're out of there. Oh, they're for taking sure. Their money sure. and they're gonna they're gonna gift the land to this RCA, and then RCA is gonna take over the open space, and that's where we have a chance to, I think, work with them. Um, whatever trails were impacted by development, I think that this is where we could either rebuild the bottom parts of those trails that got impacted and connect it back to the uplines or mm-hmm. sanction everything that is remaining out there and make it finally a legal trail where, you know, a lot of people can enjoy it and it gets a lot of support. So I think this is a great thing. Yeah. Great step. I think great so step. too. I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't blame them. It's, it's private property and they're, they're just pursuing their, their business. Um, and so they have every right to, um, but I think this is a great opportunity just to show that this part of our community, you know, we, we value and we sanction this, these trails, you know, and, you know, Chris Magenheim, he's the one that started this whole trail thing. And I don't think he would have guessed in a million years that there would be 200, 400 riders every weekend going. Yeah. Um, right. And, and so it, it may be inevitable that we're going to lose a lot of these trails. Um, but I think we're just, we're just setting a, a, footprint you know we're just setting some a little point in history where we can work from in the past um and like you best believe that we're still going to be building trails you know these trails are going to get built there's a lot of land behind greer that is untouchable and there's going to be more trails um but i think it's cool because you look at any really highly active um city any place in colorado um up northwest they they really value as a community they value outdoors and these outdoor activities and in california we have so much beautiful land that's untouched mm-hmm. but yeah. like the the sierra nevada mountains behind us there's there's no mountain bike trails there's some hiking trails but mountain bikes are are frowned upon you go to laguna beach they they have mountain bike trails there but it's like the the park ranger's duty to to go out there and and give you a citation because you're on a trail that's illegal um so i think there needs to be a little especially in our in our city there needs to be a little more acceptance on you know this isn't just a place for people to to live go to work come home from work you know like we we have all of our activities and we need to start promoting these healthy lifestyles and give give people a, a place to express this um mm-hmm. and and greer for for me you know as a as a bike shop we get a lot of business from greer but for me it's i want i want a place where i can ride my bike i don't want to have to plan a weekend to where i have to drive to the mountains just to enjoy myself you know we have all these beautiful mountains and beautiful land like what we gotta i, I think it'd be really cool if marietta um started pushing for development you know you can you can pay people to build trail networks you know let's let's sanction these some places for this and and do our due diligence to take care of them right you know but we got to set an example and provide a platform for people to express their their enjoyment and their hobby Um, so i think that's that's where this is going to be pushing and i'm excited for that 
Yeah, me too. Well said. I mean, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, Bentonville is a good example of how this all could be a, a great win for the city. Um, also, too, you know, two to 400 people come in throughout the week to ride Greer. Greer's ridden every single day of the week, weekdays, weekends. Absolutely. And how, and how many of those people live here? You know, you probably have a good portion yeah. of folks who live here, but there's also a good portion of people who travel here. This is a destination location for a lot of folks. People will fly into Ride Greer. People know about Greer. Some of the big YouTubers in the game have uh, filmed and ridden at Greer. So it, it's so well known and so well loved. Absolutely. And I think the city needs to realize that it's not just like a 12 foot wide fire road. You know, these mm -hmm. are single tracks that have minimal impact on on the land because they're smaller but they're built in a certain way that's unique so that's yeah. why people come here and i think yeah. this is our opportunity to to be able to do that um speaking of positive impact here we go we have transcend mtv on the line this is guy is representing about three thousand riders and growing every day uh, this wow. is ernie the leader of transcend mtv mtv literally saved his life literally saved his life so we have uh, a number of folks on that. I know that the military uses Greer as well, uh, even for PTSD when soldiers mm -hmm. come back and they're suffering from depression and PTSD. There's organizations that get them out on a mountain bike, and Greer wow. is one of the Greer is one of the stoked out places to take. That's away. super awesome. I had no idea about that. That's super yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this is a big military presence out here. So. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think the city, I don't know if the city knows about that, but yeah, I, I mean, and all, like, I don't know, I'm sure everybody can attest to this, but just look at all the hikers on the weekends too. Uh, mm -hmm. people hiking at Greer and that's, that's, that's Menifee, Wildemar, Marietta, Temecula, you know, we don't have an outlet for these outdoor activities. Um, people are just hiking in the foothills, hiking on mountain bike trails, not knowing that they're mountain bike trails, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's cool to see the community embrace it. Um, but it's, it's, it's tricky. We're in, we're in a catch 22, you know, we can't, can't force these people's private property to, to not, not build their, they have every right to, but I think it's a, it's a good lesson to, to learn, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that once they build on it, once we see the maps and see where the houses are going to be and, and we see what parts of the trail will be impacted by their development. And then when they gift the rest of that land to the RCA mm -hmm. and that's when we're hopefully we can work side by side with RCA and say, Hey, you know, hypothetical, the bottom part of distortion was it dead ends into somebody's backyard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> can yeah. we, can we rebuild that bottom part of the trail you know, in line with your community. Um, I mean, it's gonna just make that whole thing really valuable. And if it's commercialized mixed use, can you imagine all the mountain bikers coming in and then grabbing a, a beer or a sandwich Absolutely. in their commercial mixed use yeah. spot? It would just be an amazing spot. Perfecto mm -hmm. Coffee could possibly have a brick and mortar. You know, we all have <laughs> yep. had Perfecto yep. Coffee from Bruce there at the bottom in the trailer. So, um, That'd be awesome. Got a couple of good comments I wanted to, to yeah. shout out here for us. Travis Adam Mock says anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults in the United States ages 18 years or older and 18.1 percent of the population every year. And Greer helps combat that. That 
is awesome. That is awesome. No medications, just pedal, says uh, Transcend MTB. <laughs> and uh, Debbie Crow, a mountain biker that I met up at Sky Park. Happy belated birthday, by the way, Debbie. She says, takes me 45 minutes to get to Greer. So it's a destination for riders like me who then stop at the local gas station, fast food, and always get some snacks, food, post-ride. Greer definitely brings some income in. All great points. Absolutely. All, yeah. All great points. Our, our economy is an environment, and it's it's crazy to see how much, you know, from the bike shop, we got a lot of people coming from Greer, you know, a lot of people from out of town. Um, and it's just people people making the trip out there, you know, they're going to want to go to go to a bar, you know, go get food, um, go spend mm -hmm. time, Old Town, Temecula, Old Town Marietta, you know, we got, we got a lot of attractions here. And so mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's awesome that we're including a mountain bike community in that. Yeah, so much potential for such good, good stuff. Like, uh, there's just plenty of land to coexist with, uh, with a lot of folks. So, true, true. Um, so man, we, we got off on a good one there with Greer, but if anybody has anything to add to that, uh, please do. But it sounds like we got we got postponed out till May 12th at 4 p.m. And it sounds yep. like it's going to be a nice hybrid type of meeting where we can either go in person or attend virtually. That way it sounds like they're that's the best thing they could do to open it up to have all of our voices heard, which is awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. And then last one on this one, Trail Dog says, yeah, mountain biking trails are the new golf courses for housing tracks. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is, that is true. so true. It's funny. If you go on the Strava, there's a lot of segments that cut through Greer Ranch, the neighborhood, and it's always big, bold, stop riding in the neighborhood, residents mad, you know, and it, yeah. it's kind of, it's it's hard to see the clash, you know, it's, it's tricky. but Yeah. Instead of instead of getting hit with golf balls, you know, you, you got mountain bikers kind of cruising Keeping through the over streets. Your backyard, yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but it's also one of those things that's a destination draw. It's you know, I know I have a friend who's a retired UFC fighter who lived down in San Diego, but he happens to be a mountain biker. He purposefully built a, or bought a home in Greer and he's got the kind of income that could put him anywhere he wanted to be. Wow. But he purposefully went into Greer because he's a mountain biker and loves those trails. That's awesome. Holy that cow. Check this out. We got the Colorado kid on the show tonight. Uh, he says, <laughs> I better get down there to Greer before the swimming pools go in. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Joe, there's Joe, there's a lot it. of great trails to hit in Southern California. Greer is one of those spots to stop but definitely make it down here. There's some fun stuff. Yeah. Joe, you got to get down. If you do uh, let me know or let any one of us know, I'd be happy to take you out there. This is the Colorado Absolutely. kid. I'll have him on the podcast in the next couple of weeks as well. Thanks for being on tonight. Um, so Travis, as far as trail talk, anything else on Greer that you want to talk about or any other trails here? or anywhere that you want to highlight um, or shout out well, to? Well, I want to highlight, um, Greer is not the only spot. Uh, we do have Vail Lake. Vail Lake is booming. Shout out to EC, Swalto. To e um, they, they just got by, by a KOA, and they're actually paying EC to do trail network out there. So that place is really, really becoming something special. Um, we also have X Trails. I don't know if any of you have ridden those. Um, but they're kind of more of a cross-country trail network. They're behind the industrial park in Temecula. 
um, but very challenging and very true mm. to mountain biking. Um, I love those trails a lot. Um, and so those ones, if you're looking for something exciting and to really push your, your physical abilities, it is, I come out of there sweating every single time. Um, it is, it's by no means these crazy descents, but it is technical rocks, um, terrain you didn't expect we had there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then most of my, terrain, oh yeah, very much yeah. so very tight riding under the trees. Um, and then whenever I get to go out of town, I spend a lot of time in Aliso. Lisa Viejo, uh, Laguna, um, those trails there are phenomenal. Um, the elevation is amazing. It's steep terrain. It's technical. Um, luckily I have a friend who lives out there and he gets to guide me around, um, show me all these awesome trails, but that place is a destination in California. If you're going to go ride a bike, definitely go to Laguna beach. Um, Mm -hmm. you have Ted's in Escondido, Mm -hmm. very similar feeling to Greer. Uh, you get a little more elevation, uh, but Ted's is a lot of fun. Um, a little more demanding than Greer, I'd say. It's got some more technical stuff, um, but it's a great spot to ride. Um, and then that's kind of it. I mean, I obviously, I make my way up to um, Big Bear every summer. That place is fun. Great trails yeah. off and on the mountain. Um, but yeah, that's 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 kind of the local stuff that I like to indulge myself in. That's a lot of good local stuff. And you're right. Mm-hmm. Basically, one of the creators of Greer went is now on payroll at Vale, owned by KOA. So as far as like the sanctioned stuff or not sanctioned stuff, it's like, what do you need? You need a tractor? You need a water truck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you want to yeah. build? There's it's wide open and already there's 25 miles of trails there and more coming. I just saw a bunch of cool signs. We we uh, did a quick uh, edit with uh, the outsider MTB, Tony De Silva, and uh, took him out there with, uh, we got the droney up in the air and everything. And cool. it's just amazing there. Every time you go out there, there's something new. There's some kind yeah. of a yeah. new feature, new, new trail. It, it's great. It's always evolving. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, Crisco. So my buddy Christian, he keeps commenting about your mustache. So I need to go ahead and give him some attention. Crisco bike. He's saying, but the power of the stash, the power of the stash, he's loving your stash. I think he wants to get a stash too. <laughs> I, I would highly recommend it. it. It actually, once you grow a stash, you, you get a letter in the mail talking about all these, it's very classified, but you get a lowdown on all these, these new powers you're going to get. So definitely improve my riding. Um, I, I got a lot more PRs and KOMs from the mustache. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's good. Uh, I get these from the mustache a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. One of the other guys that uh, has a stash tonight is the Colorado kid. If you see him on uh, YouTube, check out his channel doing some great stuff, cracks me up all the time, and also doing some great stuff when it comes to trail building and network <laughs> systems. It's actually on the news up in Northern California, wow. like a 5.30 a.m. segment, uh, but he was out there really just talking about a lot of the trail associations and being a part of uh, the MTB community. It was awesome. awesome. He's rocking a stash. That is awesome. Uh, we also got uh, trail dogs. They're rocking a stash. <laughs> lots, of, <laughs> lots of stashes, lots of stashes going on. That's amazing. 
uh, Colorado kid says, is it true or it is true? A crashing dad would say, I'm only a kid from the waist down. <laughs> <laughs> somebody asked, somebody asked my buddy, Joey Yates asked, is Colorado kid not really a kid? So apparently from the waist down, he, he is a kid. <laughs> I think everybody's a child deep down. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. So let's move over to, uh, from trail talk let's go to product segment i know you write Ooh. for trek uh yep. and uh it sounds like you got a great history on how you got into trek but any product this is your chance to highlight talk about any sponsors or products that you like or upgrades whatever you um, want to talk about i mean yeah i being at a bike shop i obviously i get to see a lot of different product and experience a lot of it um i will say trek bicycles and I know this is a bias, but they have been my favorite bicycle to ride. Um, the new Trek Slash, I'm really eager to get it. Uh, I'm currently on a Fuel EX, which is a 140-130 bike. Um, and I will, till this day, say that is the most fun bicycle I've ever had. There's all this, I feel like this this mountain bike industry is starting to push this big travel enduro bikes, these big 180 travel, 170 travel bikes. Um, but I can tell you, I have never had as much fun on my big travel bike as I have on my short travel bike, short travel, all mountain bikes are the wave. I highly mm -hmm. recommend people to at least try one before they end up buying these expensive bikes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's my favorite bike at the moment. Um, and then I guess I can just take this opportunity to plug in the different sponsors and, um, things that I've enjoyed sponsors. It's not that. Yeah. For mountain biking, it's not that you get contacted by these people. Um, you really have to push an effort to uh, make a contract and make a relationship with these companies. Um, so I've been thankful to have developed these relationships with 100%, um, Stance, No Tubes, Trek. And, and I do this because I love their products. Um, it's 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 that's the reason I, I choose to have a relationship with these people. And I'm really excited this year. I got to get on with crank brothers um, and oh, wow. crank brothers were the first clip pedals I ever tried when I was a long time ago. And I ended up riding HTs for a while, but um, I'm really happy with the crank brother clips this year. They kind of uh, dissolved all the, the negative symptoms I had with clips in the past. My feet always mm -hmm. getting sore, blowing off, had to run them super tight. Uh, but I surprised myself this year, and I'm really, really loving uh, Crank Brothers. So I had to throw that out there. That's great. But That's awesome. The warranty. I'm not too sure what the warranty is like on their frames. Um, most of these big companies, uh, they they do do a lot of crash replacement. Um, in my experience at a shop, whenever we have to do a warranty with a frame, um, we got to do extensive photos, um, and you really got to get your shop to vouch for you um, as far as, how the incident happened um but it is tricky um bike companies they're they're smart um they know how these products break they do a lot of serious testing um so if you're going to warranty a frame um you got to kind of get your story right and make sure it sounds like it was a a bike default um but yeah warranting frames is a tricky thing um crash replacement is usually an option for a lot of these companies um, I'm not too sure. I don't have a lot of experience at Trek, though. We have uh, Vegas Mike on, on the Trek. He says, I have a Remedy 8, and he loves that bike. And, Remedies uh, are awesome. Yeah. And uh, 
Uh, Ernie here from Transcend MTV uh, brings up actually a good point. We kind of alluded to it a bit there. So I know you're a pro enduro writer. So you're going mm -hmm. big. You're you're boosting. Right. You're going down some sketchy stuff. In fact, pulling up a picture here. This is Travis Claypool whipping it completely sideways, <laughs> uh, way up in the air. And so you are looking at that bike in that picture. You could see that that is not like 180 mils of travel. That is and that is actually a fuel EX. Um, that is a 130 millimeter travel bike. That photo is, uh, I think 2018, um, so wow. 2017 is really old photo, but I'm, I'm glad wow. you brought it up. It brought back a lot of memories. It's cool. Um, yeah. but yeah, again, that was out at Fontana. Um, and I got to ride Terry Pichino's fuel EX and I still love that thing. Um, so so when so when we're talking about, I know a lot of the bike companies are pushing these big enduro bikes, mm -hmm. right? So we're talking big bikes that could soak up a lot of the chunk and chatter and, you know, we can hit big stuff, but here mm -hmm. we are, we have a pro rider here who rides like 130, 140. Um, and that's kind of not a, with the total movement of the bigger bikes, right, but there has right. been a lot of talk lately of bikes are just getting too big. What's, what's your take? And so, for those of us who want to follow the big travel stuff, I think the, I think the market is trying to, so enduro bikes, they kind of had an interesting start. Um, it was always either downhill or cross country. Um, and then enduro bikes, it's hard to, it, it takes a lot of engineering to get them to work well. You know, you want a bike that you can pedal efficiently uphill, but you also want something that is very responsive and aggressive on the downhill. Um, so I think the push for these bigger travel enduro bikes, um, it's, it's kind of going towards the, the one bike for every challenge thing. And I, and I absolutely support that. If you only get one bike, buy a bike that you know will be capable at any destination you go. Um, obviously a 140, 130 mile travel bike, that's not gonna be my bike of choice if I go to Mammoth or if I go out to Colorado to ride. Um, I'm gonna be riding my bigger 170 bike. Um, and, and I think that's the, that's the point. Um, if you, and it's also, you gotta, you gotta realize what trails you're riding. Um, out mm. here in Marietta, uh, my, my short travel bike excels here just because there's not these crazy demanding things. Um, so it, I actually think it, it makes it more enjoyable. Um, mm. But I absolutely support the bigger travel bike. If you see yourself traveling a lot and going to these really demanding destination riding. Um, so I think that's a, that's a big thing. Um, and yeah, again, big travel bikes, uh, what Yo SoCal says, uh, they do, there's a good buffer period, um, and a bigger skill cap and the bike definitely helps you out in a lot of bad line choices. I can attest to that. Uh, big bikes got me out of a lot of sticky, sticky situations. So I'm in all so support of big travel. So really it's kind of like a quiver of where you're going to ride depends on the type of bike that you want. So probably for SoCal, it, it almost seems like a trail bike would be kind of your all mountain bike, the 150, yeah. 150. Absolutely, um, might be great for out here. But then when we go to Big Bear, we might be a little underbiked if we're if we're getting better and we're trying to yeah. send it. Yeah, um, I think absolutely. I think a big experience for me is having those bikes that have limits on them. It, it pushes your your skill sets. You know, you get really focused on. Okay, I got a little sketchy there. I got to focus on my weight. I got to focus on my posture. Um, mm. Where big bikes, they get you out a lot of trouble, but you end up relying too much on the bike. And then there's this false um, security um, cap that you 
you get you actually get into trouble you know it gets it gets dangerous when you just rely on these bikes and then uh your reflex or your skill your skill set um they're not tuned in to the the speeds you're riding a lot of people do experience that you know they get they get comfortable and then they they have an accident that sets them back for a really long time um and then that's something to keep in mind um big bikes you know they're they're great uh but you always got to be challenging your skill set and doing it in a productive way where you're riding safely um, and not too over your head, you know? Wow, that makes sense. That makes total sense. It almost, I mean, that's the similar type of thought process when you go from a hardtail to your first dual suspension. Mm -hmm. Your hardtail is going to teach you to to pick as many of the right lines as possible. And then your dual suspension kind of forgives you. Now, same with the big travel bikes. Um, Crisco Bike here says, actually, Transcend MTB is saying, um, my common saw sucks on the climb, but a tank on the downhill. So yeah, sure. with, with those bigger bikes, the big travel, is the downhill challenging because of all of that suspension or just a bigger bike is just a bigger bike and heavier on the climb? Well, it's so you got your bigger bikes, but it's not just that it's a bigger bike. Um, it, you go into the geometry, so you're getting a longer wheelbase, uh, slacker head tube angle, um, lower bottom bracket. Um, so all this geometry is fighting you because it's, it's really designed to take all of the, the energy and to function its mechanisms work really well when you're going downhill on steeper terrain at higher speeds. But when you're going uphill, the, the thing you're really relying on is your, your seat tube angle and, um, your drivetrain. That's why, that's why we're seeing these giant 12, 52 tooth cogs, you know? Um, so it's just kind of the... The thing with enduro bikes, you know, they're this this hybrid um, that is designed. You're not going to be racing uphill, and there you don't see these bikes racing on uh, flats. But uh, they're they're designed for downhill, absolutely. Gotcha. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, well, at this part of the show, let's move over. Unless anybody has any other questions in this realm, uh, let's move out of the product spotlight. And uh, we'll go into inspiration. Um, it sounds like you had some really pivotal folks that were well tied into the industry to help motivate you. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about, you know, specifically that type of inspiration. What was it that inspired you or who was it that inspired you? And, and how was that inspiration um, kind of defined by you? Um, so I was thinking about this for a little bit and inspiration, it's, it's hard. I'm that kind of person. I don't have a favorite anything. Um, I'm very open-minded anything. And so I don't have, I had a hard time finding idols um, in this sport. Obviously I, I drool over all these spotlighted athletes, you know, and like what they do. But I think I like to hone in my, my focus on, on the community around me. Um, so my biggest inspiration was always my, my writing friends, um, the people mm -hmm. around me, you know, are constant push to push each other's limits, you know, or the, the reflection of who I am as a writer in their eyes. And then what I project back at them as them, you know, is just this constant evolution. And then the more friends I met, the more my writing evolved, uh, the, the, the greater people I ride with, the more I got to reflect their writing abilities. So I think my biggest inspiration has always been, uh, my closest writing friends. Um, and it's, it's really helped me develop and, and have an, an understanding of what the sport is. Um, you know, we don't, we don't race bikes to make money. You don't see any, 
any of these athletes um, indulging in the luxuries of life. You know, we race bikes because we enjoy the community. We enjoy the experience. Um, and that's, I think that's what it's always been about. That's always what it's inspired me, you know. Um, mm. it, my inspiration lies in what this what this this means for my future you know i will always have a bicycle i will always be on adventures you know it's set up this my interest have, always lie in can i can i go riding on the weekends or is this opportunity going to allow me to travel as much you know it's kind of just been this really it's narrowed my 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 scope of the world but it's it's really exciting because now all i want to do is go ride at these places or go explore these mountains. You know, it's really just this transcending connection to the world, um, to the universe, the nature around us. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what's been most inspiring for me. Um, okay. Just just what this this is going to, you know, it's all these races and everything that I'm racing, but I'm racing because I get to experience these beautiful places. You know, I'm not the most competitive racer. I'm always the guy that's, a little too relaxed. Um, I'm I'm not that hard on myself. Um, I'm always there to just encourage everybody, and and I'm I'm there for the experience and to have fun um, and to ride my bike as fast as I can. So that's what's inspiring to me. Um, absolutely, I love that. I love that. I I completely understand what you're saying there. I was actually thinking. I've been out places riding where I've been solo and I'll see something amazing and you're by yourself and you take it in and you feel grounded and it's mm -hmm. awesome because you can't get there without the bike. So it's no, special and it's, it's your, and it's your time, mm -hmm. but there's something about being with your crew of friends when you're out riding together and you all see that something special, that appreciation station, that whatever that is, mm -hmm. there's always something cool about that. And um, I definitely believe in the whole inspiration of iron sharpens iron. You know, you're like the sum of your group. So if you have four awesome riders that are really good in your group, Absolutely. guess what? You're going to be the fifth. You're going mm -hmm. to be the next one. So um, I love what you said about that. That's, uh, that is awesome. Uh, yeah. Transcend MTB says lifestyle, friends, and adrenaline. That's the <laughs> motto. That is it. That's a good one. What's up, Adam Miller? MTB Rad Dad's in the house too. MTB Rad Dad's a YouTuber and uh, also here, just showing up. Better late than never. That's that's for sure. Thanks, Adam, for being here tonight. What's up, Rad Dad? This is cool. This is a cool little YouTube dad community. I'm, I'm yeah. happy to be of you guys' presence. This is exciting. I had no idea. Yeah. Stoked to have you, man. Stoked to have you. Yeah. You've got great great information. Um, oh, <laughs> and then Christian, <laughs> of course, and a little leftover for the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, moving out of inspiration and into some of the questions, uh, this is towards the tail end of the show. I like to always ask my guests some of the funny questions just to see how you answer them. And I'm, I'm ready. If you would mind, here we go. So, the first question for you, Travis, uh, is mountain biking uphill or downhill? Which one do you prefer and why? It's a hard one. Obviously, I love, I think the only reason I do it is to ride down the hill. Um, but it's, you know, it's, you can't, you can't enjoy it until you experience the pain. Um, we don't have a lot of shuttle trails around here. We don't have any lifts. So whatever, however, how much fun you have to have, you equally have to have as much pain. And um, I think you, you learn to, to love the experience of, 
burning calories, legs burning, lactic acid, heart rate gets going, you're breathing hard, but you know, that's all worth it because you're, you're pedaling to this awesome descent. Um, so I think they're, they're equally, obviously I'll sway more towards the downhill. Um, I will shuttle any day. Uh, downhill is the best. Yeah. I, I don't blame you, but you're right. You, you pay to play in this sport. You pay to play, but it's always mm -hmm. so worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Next question is if you could start a, and you may have alluded to it earlier, but if you could start a, a secret conspiracy or a conspiracy in the mountain bike community, what would it be? What conspiracy Ooh. would you start? Conspiracy. Um, I think whew, the mustache is a good one. I think I could, I could, I got a lot to go with there. Um, I think a conspiracy that I live by actually is riding with no chamois, um, improves your endurance abilities. Oh, mm -hmm. is that, that, I don't know if that's true or not, because that is a, uh, I could or couldn't be. Well, Yeah. <laughs> You got to yep. feel the pain in order to heal the pain. And I, I used to wear chamois all the time, but I just gave up on it. I hate having a little sweaty little sponge on my butt. It made my chafing worse. Um, and it took about a couple months, but it, it got good. I got way better. That's the worst too. If you, if you, if anybody's here online tonight and you get done with a ride and you don't have a chance to change real quick, whether maybe there's too many people buying mm -hmm. the car that, or you parked and you have to <laughs> be in that chamois for a while, that's definitely not a good, <laughs> that is definitely not a good feeling. <laughs> MTV Rise says, don't the path, uh, don't the path guys, not, not the chamois. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you'd be surprised how many people don't wear chamois now. Yeah. <laughs> Big old, big old diaper, big old diaper. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Travis, next question is, um, what is the most sexiest mountain bike terminology that you can think of? Ooh. And what is also the least sexiest mountain bike terminology? You can Ooh, think of? Sexiest. Mm. That's gonna be a hard one to think of. I, I'm going to tell you the least sexiest. I, I hate the word shroup, shroup, whatever shroup? that is. Have yeah. Heard, has anybody heard of shroup? What is, what is shroup? It's, it it's, a, it's an expression for when you destroy a corner. I shrouped that corner. Uh, I, I hate that word. Uh, but the sexiest word, I think, would be... Mm, It'd, it'd have to do something with the, the bikes themselves. Um, but I don't know if I could think of a sexy word. Uh, if, you, if, yeah. you come, if you come back to it, let us know. We, we yeah. have somebody who's helping you out with the least sexiest uh, terminology. His least sexiest one is rider down. Yes. You so Cal. <laughs> Does rider not help like rider down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is kind of annoying. Rider down. <laughs> rider down. I'm screaming that too many times. MTB Rad Dad's trying to explain shalp to the rest of the community yeah. here, hitting the berms hard, like like roosting it. It's like <laughs> you know when people burp their tires in corners. Yeah, so that's the, that's that's a shalp, and I think it's ridiculous because we all know they just lowered their psi in their tire just to get the the noise and the 
the experience. I, I could just be a little salty because I, I can't do it that well. But <laughs> Get yeah. that tire slime in the berm from Burpa the Tire. Yeah. <laughs> what do they call it when we cheat and we, we grab our back brake and kind of kick out our back tire in a berm? <laughs> uh, that's kind of what it is, yeah. Is a little, little skid. Yeah, is but, that... Is yeah. that even something that people would like? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Oh, it's man. Fun. That is, oh, okay. Last question. I almost forgot about this one. And uh, people answer this so many different ways. Okay. It's kind of off the topic, but is cereal a soup? Yes or no? And, and why? Whew. Well, I'm going to say no because okay. I don't, it's not hot. Um, and I've never had a cold soup. So I'm going to say, no, I think cereal and granola are both in the same spectrum. Okay. Uh, and soup is soup. Soup is soup. There you go. Travis, yeah. Yeah. Travis Claypool, professional enduro rider for uh, Trek Bikes. Man, it's been awesome to have you on the show tonight. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Travis, let everybody know where they could find you if they want to follow your journey as a professional mountain bike rider awesome. and also see your sweet, uh, your sweet van build out that you have for when yes, you travel. Yes, I am currently building a Ford Transit 150 medium roof. Um, but my, my Instagram is probably the most frequently place I post things. I don't post things a lot. I'm really bad at that, that side of the sport. Um, but it's Travis Claypool. Just one word at Travis Claypool, um, and that's that's where you'll see me the most. Or you can just come by Alan's Bike Shop and we can chat for a little bit. But yeah, Travis Claypool at Travis Claypool at Travis is Claypool. where yep. is where they could find you. Um, and pretty much working Alan's Bike Shop, lead mechanic at Alan's Bike Shop. If you guys have anything you need, um, you know, contact Travis. If you call Alan's Bike Shop, most likely he'll answer the phone. And uh, I know a lot of times I won't speak for you, but I do know there's been times where I've called you real quick and said, hey, man, what do you think this is? And you do the best to help me while you're juggling 50,000 other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Travis, thank you so much. If anybody doesn't have any other questions or anything for Travis Claypool, we will uh, end the show tonight. Thank you so much for being on. MTB Rad Dad, thanks for making it. Crisco Bike Transcend. We got Colorado Kid, the... Trail dogs are in the house. I know I'm missing people. Uh, you owe SoCal. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for being here tonight. I really appreciate all of you. And we will see you all on the next podcast of the segment. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you all for tuning in to that episode of the segment podcast with Travis Claypool. Folks, if you aren't doing anything on May 12th at four o'clock, the city of Murrieta is going to have another meeting around Greer, the development of Greer and what's going to happen to the open space land after the developers are done with Greer. So it's an opportunity for all of us to jump on, let the city know how important Greer is for us, and hopefully start a good relationship with the land manager where we can you know, fix some of the trails that may have been impacted by development and uh, hopefully even sanction the trails at a certain period in time in the future. Again, that's May 12th, four o'clock. Click on the link in order to get to the city of Marietta's uh, meeting. 
4 o'clock, May 12th. Hope to see you there. Special thank you to the supporters of the show again. Thank you so much to 7IDP, 7protection.com for making such great mountain bike protective gear. Thank you so much to Spy Optic and, and the Bole brands. That's Spy Optic, Bole, and Serengeti. And finally, thank you so much to Nate Miller and the crew at Tasco. Tasco making some amazing mountain bike clothing and my favorite shorts, the Scout shorts. Folks, hope that's been a great show. Look forward to seeing you on the next one next week, and uh, we will see you all then. Have a great weekend. Have a great week, and we will talk to you all soon.